This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audio download at www.audibletrial.com slash C-O-L-O sports guys. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hey, Ross, it's Rich Eisen. Yeah, it's Carl Mecklenburg. What's up? This is Ty Lawson. This is Jordan Hamilton from the Denver Nuggets, and you're listening to Colorado Sports Guys Podcast. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Timmons and Ross Martin. Welcome to the podcast, Colorado Sports Guys Podcast, episode number 75. I am Ross Martin. <clears throat> Ross Martin? It's like the second time in a few weeks where I've done the Martin. Anyway, Nate Timmons is here. Cole quit. <laughs> Cole quit. What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a great, uh, lovely time in cold Colorado. Hope you're not freezing too much. Get your parkas on, wear your scarves, get your gloves on. There we go. Good advice. Jeff Morton is here again. I, I think that's why you're pronouncing Martin the way you are. Why? It's because you're gearing up to say Morton. 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 Yeah, I'm here. At any rate, Jeff, thank you for being here. <laughs> Jeff, it's been, uh, it's been a, uh, about a month, about I guess. Month, yeah. You know, we like to have you on here once a month. Once a month. And, and if you don't uh, know of famousdenverstiffs.com, Jeff Morton. They know. Right. I, I am from denverstiffs.com. Be sure and read my stuff on denverstiffs.com. Yes, it's fantastic. Soon to be featured in uh, the great annals of sports blogging history. Oh. No, One day you will die, what? Jeff, but your words will live on forever. That's true. <laughs> I can't say that about you know many bloggers, but uh, my words will echo... My epic column about uh, what you do anyway. Here. <laughs> what you do here shall echo in eternity. That, uh, that, got uh, a lot to post, talk about today. That post I wrote about Quincy Miller today <laughs> is going to reverberate through history. Epic, <laughs> epic. Anyway, if you guys are done, yeah, oh, we'll we're continue done. with the show here. Okay, I know this is your time to shine, but hey, we're in the CSG studios here. Palatial. We've got a lot to talk about today in the palatial, palatial CSG studios. Uh, Denver Broncos um, are rolling here. We're going to talk about that. Broncos football on three. Victory over Carolina Panthers. We got the Nuggets to discuss, of course. Now, uh, started off somewhat lackluster, but now have uh, crawled their way back to four and four. Who better to talk about that than uh, you two fine Denver Stiffs? Emphasis on fine. Fine. Other more qualified people, maybe? Mm -hmm. We can do it, though. We're going to do all that. We'll give it the old college try. We're going to talk about the fact that the Colorado Sports Guys podcast has been nominated 
thanks to all of the listeners who went out of their way to do this. They, that we have been nominated for the Westward Web Awards for Best Podcast 2012. Mm-hmm. And those awards are going to be uh, revealed or handed out on Thursday night. It's um, Thursday down at Redline 2350 Arapahoe Street. Yes. Arapahoe. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, my uh, disappointment. In the Westward Web Awards. <laughs> Thanks, Westward, and uh, complain about you as well in a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to talk about that, but before we all, we have to. Before we do that, we want to remind everybody to check out ColoradoSportsGuys.com for links to our Facebook, Twitter, and our Amazon.com affiliate link. And also, we have a link up there for our uh, new sponsor, Audible.com, which uh, you all heard before the uh, intro music there. If you go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com and click through the Amazon banner at the top of the page, each time you do your normal shopping, you will be supporting this podcast. And we want to encourage everybody to keep doing that, and that people are. Yeah, we had some uh, very odd movie orders come in. Yeah, we had – we're going to run through those for sure. I I, I didn't realize you could buy a DVD for a penny, but uh, one of our listeners, a thrifty one, I I would be guessing. I bought some flags on uh, Amazon years ago, like a Scottish flag and an Irish flag for one penny, and I just paid for shipping. It was amazing. So if you're looking for – I think it was five cents, actually. If you're looking for a new identity, a new country, like uh, Nate Timmons is, to do that. You need the Estonian flag. (laughs) If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, show at com or use our phone number, 720-722-1274. 720-722-1274. What's that number again, Ross? 720-722-1274 to leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. Now, I also want to say that, uh, you know, kind of uh, continuing on with this uh, voicemail thing, we're, we have a contest here coming up. Now, something happened over the past week, which has uh, been a bit disappointing for me because I, uh, you know, last year on this podcast, I used to talk about how I was a season ticket holder, or at least I had tickets to every game. For the Broncos, right? For the Broncos, correct. And uh, I didn't get my season tickets this year, right? Or I didn't buy season tickets because I was was upset with the guy who sold us the tickets. Didn't you have a falling out over playoff tickets? Well, here's what happened. Last year, I agreed to buy uh, these season tickets from this guy who was not going to use them. And nobody, I guess, expected the Broncos to be as good as they were. And by that, I mean make it to the playoffs and much less make it past the first round of the playoffs. So when it came time for the playoff tickets, I had just assumed that I would be entitled to buy those as well. Nay. And I blame myself for not negotiating that ahead of time. But on the other hand, if you're selling me season tickets, I feel like it's implied. It's implied that I would get the playoff tickets, but that's just that's old news. Yeah. Now coming up on uh, December twenty third is a uh, game in Denver against the Cleveland Browns. Now I have two tickets for this, but it turns out I'm not going to be able to make it. Is John Boehner going to go? I, <laughs> John Boehner, of course, the head guy over at Mile High Report, the best. Broncos blog in the world based in Cleveland. No, this one is in Denver. This is a home game. Cleveland Browns are coming to Denver. This is December 23rd. I have two tickets. I already asked all you guys, or you two, if you could take them because I can't use them. I have a family thing. I've asked my friends, you know, 
they can't use them because they already have tickets. My family, of course, uh, can't use them because they're going to be with me at this family event. So here's what we're going to do. And this is a... this is uh, what we're going to do here. We're going to give these two tickets away. What? To somebody, oh. a listener of this podcast. Say that again? We're going to give these two tickets away. Now, here's the thing. We're not going to promote this on Twitter. We're not going to promote this on Facebook. This is going to be a strictly for the dedicated listener. Oh, I like that. So if wow. you, listener, want these two tickets, and these are good tickets. These are in the second deck in the front row. Front row. Now, yeah, some might view that as the handicap section. Where do you go? Well, my uncle has those seats, and they're phenomenal because they're the they don't have jerks around you. They're the best. They're the best seats because there's nobody behind you. Uh, there's nobody in front of you. You're right on the edge. These are in the uh, north uh, east corner, and they're great seats. We're going to give these away, and here's how we're going to give them away. We're going to give them away to the person who leaves us the most compelling voicemail. Nice. At 720-722-1274. You have a few weeks here, right? Say that number again. Say it a little 720-722-1274. Call us. Leave a voicemail. Tell us exactly why you deserve these tickets the most. And uh, you know what? You're going to get them. And, uh, again, these are two seats in the front row of the upper deck, or the second deck, right above the 42nd clock. As a matter of fact, I've sat here many, many times, and I always get yelled at by the usher because I'm banging against the... My uncle's seats are literally, I could probably throw a football to you in those seats. Yeah, they're great seats. So we're going to do that. We're going to give them away. uh, Like I said, this is for people listening. We're not going to promote this on Twitter. This is mighty kind of you, Ross, by the way. I like this idea. Well, like I said, you guys couldn't use them. No, I'm going to be celebrating something. (laughs) I'm, the 23rd. I'm, going, I'm, I'm otherwise detained <laughs> masturbating. So. <laughs> TMI on, on that one. Jeff's going to be jerking off. During the, actually, it's, you know what? I didn't even offer the tickets to you guys, which is true. I saw the look on your faces when uh, I brought this up. But here it is. You guys want this? <laughs> I didn't bring them up. Hey, what, do I, what do I need you well, guys? This is a better cause. This is yeah. much better This cause. is it. This is, for, uh, this is our listeners. Christmas. This is, this is a Christmas present to our listeners. Last year, what did we do? We got Carl Mecklenburg on the show. This year, we're doing this. Two tickets to the Browns-Broncos games at home. On December 23rd, if you want these tickets, leave us a voicemail, 720-722-1274. We'll get you those tickets. Maybe we'll play the winning uh, oh, voicemail, I'm we'll, sure. Uh, yeah, we'll play the winning one for sure. I'll Maybe we'll play some other ones. Depends. It's very nice of you, Ross. But very uh, nice of you. we're going to do that for you guys. Uh, and so as a thank you for listening over this past year and helping us getting uh, to get nominated for the Westwood Web Awards, which is the next topic I want to roll into here. I want to start off here by saying a little bit of background about when we started this podcast. This was this podcast here has been going on for a year and a half, roughly. We started this in the summer of that grand year, 2011. Okay, Ot 11. Ot, yeah, Ot 11. I was kind of annoyed <laughs> that that never caught up, right? Because growing up, I always hunted with a 30 out six, and that was named after a caliber of gun invented in 1906. And I always thought that would catch on. I was but wondering why that was called a 30 out six. Yeah, actually. It's, it's because it was, it was created very informative. Like in 1906. But anyway, it never caught on. But anyway, 2011, I end up at a barbecue with Nate Timmons. Washington Park. Wash Park, 4th of July. We get to discussing. And by discussing, I mean I was drunk and just yelling, <laughs> almost yelling at him. You should do a podcast, blah, blah. But anyway, 
I was trying my best to wipe the spittle off of my face and steer clear of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, we did this podcast. The reason why I wanted to do a sports podcast in Denver is, one, I cared greatly about Denver sports, and it's kind of in my wheelhouse, right? But two, I thought there was a great void, a big gap, because there was no sports podcasts in Denver. And we were both big podcast listeners. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which was other podcasts. Which was a great thing because I, I come up and talk to you at this barbecue. I'm like, ah, you listen to I'm, I listen to Joe Rogan and Adam Crow and, and uh, Bill Burr and Mark Marin, all this stuff. You're like, I listen to these too. It's like, holy. Yeah, you don't you're, find you're, a lot of people that even, A, know what a podcast is and B, actually be able to name a few by, of them. By the way, Ross, there. that was an uncanny impression of Nate. You're just doing that. <laughs> yeah. All right, I watched this. Oh, and no, no, I watched no, no, no. <laughs> no, he was like, <laughs> no, but anyway. Very insulted over here. So I thought, so I thought about starting this podcast, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, joining forces with some of the preeminent bloggers. Uh, Nate Timmons, you and I had a, a have a uh, common uh, friend, and that is my. The color of sports wife, my <laughs> yeah. wife, it went to high school with you. That was kind of a random thing that I didn't know about. And then also you ended up being friends with some of my friends from Boulder, right? Yeah. So anyway, we ended up doing this, and I thought this would be great because podcasts are getting big, yeah. and there's no sports podcasts in Denver. Yeah. Now, it didn't occur to me to even Google Denver sports podcasts <laughs> until after we had recorded a couple episodes. Yeah. And what pops up? The South Stands Denver Fancast. Not only was it has it, well, did it exist, but they've been doing it for a couple of years before we even recorded our first episode. Not to somehow, I think I knew that they had a podcast because I believe Andy had maybe done their show. I, well, I think the Andy before, did the show, yeah. But I completely, I yeah, I completely had forgotten about. And it, Andrew Feinstein, the uh, one of the fellow cohorts at uh, Denver Sisters. The big the, stiff, just one of the six. Uh, six. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so anyway. I'm like, oh man, there's another sports podcast in Denver, and like I like you said, Nate, we we were both big into listening to podcasts. I thought I was listening to all the podcasts out there, but I had never Googled Denver sports or Colorado sports podcast. <laughs> sure enough, here's this podcast: the South Stands Denver Fancast. Now, since 1971, <laughs> since 1971, since 1971, right? which yeah. is I'm guessing maybe the age of Colin's youngest child <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I picked 71. <laughs> but, uh, I think that's right, actually. Yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, I, so I started listening to that, and I thought, oh, well, these guys are good. And not only are they good, they're polished, and they produce a quality-sounding podcast as far as the audio quality, but also it's yeah. very nicely paced, good intros, outros. It was like something that I didn't think existed. And then I started listening to them. At the same time, we're producing our podcast here they're bringing in good guests as well local media members absolutely. from denver giving those guys some love and a different outlet yep absolutely so then fast forward a couple months right after nate and i are barely getting to know each other doing our podcast and nate you invite me to the westward web awards in 2011 because the denver stiffs were up for best sports blog i believe that's where i first met you that's right okay. jeff that's where i met you yep and so we go there and uh it, first of all i'll just say that the, the the night itself was kind of a hard night to experience because it was uh it was just i thought it was going to be kind of a laid-back time like what the way i understood it was the westward web awards where everybody who was nominated was invited 
And it was supposed to be kind of like a time where everybody who was doing these webby things could get to know each other and network a little bit. and you Maybe had name hear tags. each other. Yeah. But it was so loud. So it was very loud. It was a very, very weird experience. Uh, I met Colin that night. Uh, yep. You know, and it's basically but, like being at a bar with live music that was really all the way like, turned music, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> that was the worst music that's, I've ever heard. In that's my life, another. That's another subject. <laughs> Andy was very supportive of them, and it makes me question Andy very, very much. <laughs> Andy was supportive of the music. The music. Oh, yeah. the music. Oh, yeah. That was the worst stuff I've ever heard in my entire uh, life. It was, well, it was just like... Well, that band. That, that band. Remember that, that the band? Oh, the German band? Yeah, that oh. guy had like an aquarium on his head or something. And <laughs> well, they DJ were like and... a joke band, right? Or yeah. Like they were pretending to be Germans or something? Something like that. Listen, as the, as, as the Colorado sports gay, I... <laughs> I, I listened to Wait, some... Wait, you just uh, coined I yourself be, Yes, I listened to some <laughs> freaky music in my experience, but that was the worst crap I've ever... It was difficult. It, it, it wasn't was even hipster. You know, you couldn't appreciate it on a hipster level. It was just bad. And I'm right, like, oh. which is what we associate oftentimes with like the Westward thing is the hipster thing. Yeah. So that night, now I go there and, I, and they have a best podcast... Uh, category, and the South Stands fan cast is nominated for best podcast. Yep, and there were a couple other podcasts up that year. Colorado Sports Guys was not one of the nominees, and I wouldn't have expected us to be, be nominated because we had only had maybe fifteen or seventeen or twenty episodes in yeah, about at that time. I mean, from July to November. I mean, once a week, and when we first started, it was every other week, but. That being said, the Colorado or the South Stands Fancast guys won. Yep. They won Best Podcast. And not just sports podcasts, just podcast period because, right, because there's not even that many of them. Yeah, they, they don't, they don't it'll delineate. It's Best Podcast. Right. Now, this was cool. I was very happy that yeah. they had won awesome. because I thought they deserved it. I think there was only like one other podcast up there that I thought even had a chance and I'm not going to name what that podcast is, but I've never been a very big fan of that podcast. And some of the other podcasts that were nominated literally hadn't put it up, put up like a, a recent episode in over two years. <laughs> right. You yeah. know what I mean? So let's, there's, a vo- there's a big void for podcasts. <laughs> there was. At that point. There was. <laughs> so now here's the thing. South Stands Fancast, they win 2011 Westward. Uh, Web Award for Best Podcast. Richly deserved. And the Very concrete, deserved. so. And the Concrete Bunker still has their award. The sunglasses yes, are on the wall. We're on the wall. I don't know if they still are. No, they're still there. Well, see, there we go. So well, now fast forward a year. Now, over the past year, uh, we have been uh, you know, doing our show in regular, constant vigilance, pouring our heart out here every week. And I had very high hopes that we would be nominated for the 2012 awards. Correct. I was we, too. I was hoping we get we, nominated. Which we were. I voted for I voted for you guys. You nominated us. Thank you, yeah, Jeff. I, I did. Yes. I, I voted you for. and Nate's mom, I think. My mother, probably yes. The, who we owe that to the most. <laughs> <laughs> Those two votes put you over the top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, I was hopeful for it because uh, we were going to go up against the South Stands Denver fan cast in the 2012 awards, right? That was the best part. Was that we were going to get nominated? Two hopefully. sports podcasts, and the South Standers were going to be defending 
their title. And we were going to go down there, and I thought, I honestly did, and I, I thought we had a chance to beat them. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not saying we're better, and I'm not saying they're better, but I think you can make the argument that either one of us are one and two or one and two the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Then I get an email from Nate a couple days ago. Yeah. We were nominated. Yesterday. Was it yesterday? Well, yesterday. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 had sent, I had sent an email to Nate saying – Look what happened, you know. And Oh, well, this – oh, right, yeah. yeah. So what happens is I get this email. We're nominated. Yes, thank you. That's it. Now we're in the pool. Yeah. Now we can finally go up against the South Standers, right, and have a chance to win, to win Best Podcast for Denver at the Denver Web Awards. And then I oh, find yeah. out. Yeah, you're right because I, I got my timeline up because he had, Nate already knew. And then I found the online, right? They, they had the listed online. The, the finalist list. The finalist yeah. list online, which is what South stands – okay, let's look. Yeah. yeah, what you're saying is this, and this is I'll let you continue. very disappointing to me. South stand – the South stand guys did not get nominated. Nope. Well, they, they, were, they didn't make the finalists cut. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. They weren't nominated to be in the running for – Best podcast. To defend their 2011 title. Right. And even if they hadn't won 2011 title, let's say that the Westward Web Awards were just created this year, still the yeah. Denver South Stands guys were not nominated. And that really takes the fun out of it for me. Because the way I saw it since the beginning of our podcast, Nate, was that the South Stand guys were the guys to beat. They were the guys that we need to uh, try and be better than. It's, it's this competition, right? They were the like, established. They are. Yeah. Yes, the they are the guys. Cast. They were the guys that were doing it week in and week out before we even uh, picked up our microphones here. And then they don't even get nominated. And it's not that they weren't good enough to be nominated. Something is going on. Something is – there's something uh, – drastically like false about this process with the Westward Web Awards. And I don't know what it possibly could be because there is no possible way that out of five podcasts, Denver podcasts, that the South Stand fan cast is not one of them. And so it's not possible. It's impossible. So something's going on. There's some sort of grudge. There's some sort of political stuff. There is something going on there that makes it less fun for me Right, at producing this podcast and co-hosting this podcast, it, it makes it almost worthless because if I get nominated for the best podcast in Denver, yet the best podcast in Denver wasn't also nominated, then any whoever wins this, whoever wins this award, whether or not it's us or somebody else, it's just it's almost like a participation trophy. Right. It really yeah. means nothing <laughs> yeah. because if you're not up against the best then you cannot pat yourself on the back for winning that award. It's like beating the Lakers if Kobe Bryant tears his ACL. Or it's beating the Lakers yeah. without Phil Jackson, you know. <laughs> but the other thing, too, if you, peel it, if you peel it back a little bit, you look at uh, best sports blog, which Denver Stiffs is, Denver Stiffs is up for again this Ooh. year, and the winners from last year, the Ralphie Report, our friend John Woods and company there, they didn't get nominated. Yeah, they didn't get nominated. That's true. And, so it's, and there almost should be like an – like if you win the Masters, right, 
in golf, you can always come back and play. You have an open invitation forever. If you win an award, you should at least get the champion invited back for the next time so you yeah. can defend your title. Now, yeah. as far like as sports the... blogs go, I'm, i got to say, there's a, there's a lot of sports blogs yes, here in Denver. Yes, yeah. there, is. There, is, there are a lot. And I would say being nominated for the sports blog category is an honor in itself. But honestly, with the, with the, with the podcast category, it's, it's pretty thin. I'm, I mean, including our podcast, including the South Standards, including uh, Denver Diatribe, and 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 that's pretty much it as far as like established like podcasts that are going out there and doing what I believe the uh, spirit of podcasting is intended, right? Yeah. To see these other podcasts outside of those three get nominated, they've done fifteen, seventeen episodes, something like that, and yeah. and a lot of them are just like music. One of them is basically a playlist of songs, it's, and they it, comment a little bit in between songs. That's like, not, to me, what, what a podcast should be, and I, and I don't want to put a box around what a podcast should be, but it's, it just kind of sullies the whole experience for me, knowing that even if we win, we're not going to have beaten the best. And, and, and there was some tw- a, lot of sh- a lot of stuff going on on Twitter yesterday with this. Yeah, there was a lot of and and again, I didn't realize it till you know kind of later last night. I just assumed that they had been nominated, and there's been a lot of stuff like you know going on about that. And keep in mind, it's not like the South Stands Denver fan cast has been all that respectful towards us. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, shit you know, show you know, of an amateur I, hour, yeah, shit show of an amateur hour, right? <laughs> among other things. You know? Hey, they did have us in studio to do the which, show, which was great. <laughs> which, <laughs> which Colin emphatically mentioned he's never listened to an episode, but you know, <laughs> but that's fine. But but you know, honestly, uh, uh, John Reedy apologized to me on Twitter about, oh, sorry for Colin's shit show of an amateur hour comment and I, I said literally it's the nicest thing anybody's ever said about us <laughs> and uh it's not even it's not even untrue like no yeah <laughs> uh, well, I, I i even weeks before this i was talking about how we are amateurs and that's one of the best parts about our podcast uh-huh. but we are a podcast and we deserve to be nominated i believe that for sure but it just sullies a little bit knowing that there's some sort of weird, I don't know, sour well, grapes. That, I don't know what it could be. The thing that made me upset about it too is the fact that it's not like they've become inconsistent with their podcast. They've become probably more consistent than they were last year. Uh, they've had you know great guests in there. They've been you know blowing it up on Twitter and everywhere else. And it's just like yeah, it's like if it, if it's a competition to where. If the if there's any kind of talk of well they won last year so let's give some other people a chance I mean that's the hokiest <laughs> well, that most well, Disneyfication yes. thing of all time. All right, which if, is, if that's true, then that 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 makes it even less credible. Yeah, right. Like exactly. the awards and well, it's I'm not even going to go on Thursday. I mean, I, I I was so excited for the prospect of being nominated and going up there and. And uh, even getting to hang out with like those guys, you know, and see like if they get named, you know, you give them a handshake and hey, good job. But you could could hang out with whatever crappy musical cast they got. (laughs) 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 But you know, I was going to point this out. You know, I did their the fan cast uh, two weeks ago, and no, I guess I'll let anybody. (laughs) Yes, they will. (laughs) Even the Colorado sports gay, and. It was. Hey, I trademarked that, by the way. <laughs> Don't be right. using that. <laughs> Same thing with redheaded yogurt slinger, which you were you were stealing. You took two of the fan cast. We heard that. Uh, we. I mean, this is this is my thing. I mean, I I 
I had the pleasure of doing the the, the 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 fan cast, and it was a great experience. And to be honest with you, it was a shock to me as well that they weren't, in, you know, at least nominated for it. it. I mean, if, even it, if they weren't going to win, it's you know, got to be something intentional. It, it's but wouldn't you want them in attendance? Like, wouldn't you want them to show up like they did last year? Like by not even having them nominated, it's like, well, then okay. And I guess guy, we should have. Colin known. has been tweeting about the Denver Westward Awards <laughs> yeah, for two for years. Yeah. yeah, he tweeted and up it, to 2011, after 2011, and then for the past few months, I think. But should we have known this wasn't a thing to even take serious by the way it was presented last year? By having you know this music that's turned up on Max, you can't hear other people. You can't really like. You can kind of mingle if you're like, the, "Hey, what's your name?" You know yeah, the way they the did event, it. What maybe, do you do? maybe the event itself was kind of a joke, but. The honor, I thought, I honestly thought that that was a, a, a credible thing. And when I saw the South Stands podcast win last year, I thought to myself at that time, I want to win that next year. Yeah. And the, the, the fact that we are a Denver sports podcast that is a very good one, I believe, and there is another very good Denver sports podcast in this town – I think it makes both of our podcasts better. And that competition factor is what can drive up the quality of this stuff. And it's the the listeners, right, that are into podcasts and the Denver sports that are benefiting the most. But they lose out when a, uh, a quote-unquote credible uh, news source or, or journalistic publication in this, in this city, if they, if they are intentionally cutting out one of them – out of sour grapes or politics or whatever, then then that's not honest. And and there's nothing about this. If we even if we win or not, there's nothing about this nomination that feels good to me because I know it's just it's 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 a farce. It's it, it doesn't prove that we're we're good or not. It just it just proves that whatever competition this is is a waste of everybody's time. And everybody who picks up that uh, <laughs> West word for free. Right is losing out because they're not going to see the South Standers in there, and they're going to see the Colorado sports guys. But still, I feel like it's built upon a pile of lies. Well, I'll tell you this: <laughs> the best podcast listening. App, I mean, because I, I have to admit, I was I've been new to the podcast thing because I mean, I was basically introduced to it by Nate. I would listen to the Simmons podcasting, but but he and I have a disagreement on Bill Simmons. But <laughs> I, I, you know, you don't like him either. It's just, the guy hasn't been great since 2007, but whatever. I I don't like him because he ignores my emails. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that if that were the case, then you know you'd hate. That's me a too. big honor, but, <laughs> but you know, we we this is the thing. I mean, I I that night where Nate had that recording recording he did at that Jake's Food and Spirits with uh, Travis Heath, Matt Moore, and Benjamin Hockman, which was fantastic, fantastic podcasting. It was informative, and it was one of my favorite listening, uh, uh, what was it, hour and a half that I've ever experienced. Additionally to that, wow. South Stands. <laughs> I freaking enjoyed listening to it. South Stands. Is that what you're going to be uh, well, jerking be, off to on uh, <laughs> December 23rd? Potentially. <laughs> Clean it up. Oh, <laughs> Nate. Oh, I love All it. Right, I, okay. I love it hey, how you hey, compliment hey, Travis Heath. Hey. No, hey. I, I, Bring out the gay. <laughs> no, but 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 also that very night, South Stands released a podcast that was amazing, as well. I mean, 
it's just it was coincidence, but both both podcasts because I I was supposed to do South Tents podcast that that night, and I came down with apparently the plague, so I couldn't I couldn't go, and I listened to it, and it was it was it was fantastic too. I mean, John Reedy, um, who he and I share musical taste like you wouldn't believe, heavy and, metal stuff. Yeah, Slipknot. I, we we taught we there was Slipknot. we we share Earlier, a, we, we, we share a love of the jam and the Smiths, and we, but it was great to listen to both. And I was like, yeah, this is what it's all about, right? This is really what it's all about. And to see that not honored is just kind of weird. To me. Well, again, it's corrupt. There's something wrong with the system. And, and there was something I, I kind of went off a little bit last night on the Twitter. I, I said some things, some inflammatory things about the Denver Westward that <laughs> probably will preclude we us may not from be even winning the award. Sorry, Nate <laughs> Which Timmons. means a lot to Nate Timmons. Okay? I, didn't, I didn't mean Yeah, not without the South stands in there. Come on. And, and, uh, and, you know, basically what I was trying to get across was, and what the thing I said was something along the lines of, you know, it's ironic that the reason why there is this market for podcasting and bloggers is because the old media, the old print media is so bad. It has lost its way. And now there is this opening for people to come in and provide quality entertainment that covers the things that people care about. And, and it's ironic to me that we seek this affirmation from a publication like Westward, even though at the same time we're doing something that kind of flies in the face of the old media. And, and we're probably driving Westward in some respects out of business. Well, you know, theoretically, yes. Theoretically. That's exactly sure. correct. And that is that and, – and, you know, Westward's always been kind of in the vein of what we do here as in they provide their product for free. Right. Right? They sell advertising to pay for that. So it's not totally like – you know the Denver Post or, or or something like that, where they charge for their content. I guess, <laughs> again, theoretically, with the newspaper subscriptions. Yeah. But like, I thought about that, and then and then at one point, I think Colin had tweeted me back, "Well, thanks for having our back." And I'm like, "Well, Colin, I think you're misunderstanding. I didn't have your back. I'm not disappointed that you guys didn't get nominated, even though I think you should. I'm disappointed that we don't have the chance to go up and beat you guys." And, and and that's the thing. I mean, I believe competition makes everything better. We had Gary Miller on our podcast in February, and what was he talking about? He was talking about having the uh, having other guys at other networks, other channels. If another channel brings you know two camera guys, and he can go back to his station and say, "I need two camera guys." Right. And what's 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 good for any individual is good for everybody. Yeah. Exactly. And and Gary Miller was talking about how you know like he and Rod Mackey go way back, and they're they're all kind of friends within this fraternity of of people trying to make a living in that business. And so that's what I'm saying. And and again, I, I do have the South Standers back, but that's not what made me so mad. What made me so mad is that we didn't have the opportunity to go up against them. And even if we had lost, which may, may have been likely or not, I, I think, Who knows? shit show of an amateur hour aside, <laughs> I, I, I don't think we've ever claimed to be anything other than a shit show of an amateur hour. So, But anyway, uh, I won't be attending Thursday night anymore. And I was so excited to because I got this whole week off of work. Not because of that, but because of other circumstances. Yeah. Are you guys going? 
probably be there, yeah. Probably go for the uh, Jeff, sports blog. Uh, I don't know. This is an audio podcast. The nods, the nods, uh, the nods can't be heard. Yes, Alex. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll go. But I tell you what, if we win that, I'm going to tell them to, like, What's the other like thing? That. Is are you like going to shake your fist vigorously at them? Uh, here's kind of the other thing. Well, last, well, last again, year. you know it's corrupt because the South Stand guys didn't get nominated. So uh, I would say, without any question, we're at least the best out of the people that were nominated. So we're probably not going to win. Somebody else is going to win, and they will be less deserving. Yeah, yeah but the, the other crazy thing, last year, like at any award show, didn't usually get like a minute to give some sort of speech. Yeah, and there's no speeches. No, there's like it's. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm cool. accepting on behalf of the. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to Colorado grace. sports guys. Are you going to grace the Colorado sports guys podcast with your Kermit impression now? Hi, oh, this is Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I would uh, like to accept on behalf of the Colorado sports guys, and um, uh, it's been a pleasure working with them over these many, many years uh, out of the uh, swamp. And, um, yeah, it's not easy being green. Go green. I'll tell you one thing. If we did have the name Colorado Sports Gaze, I guarantee you we would win. Westward's little political that way. They would feel like they were homophobic if they didn't make us. Or Colorado Sports Greens. That would make it palatable for two straight people here. That's a, that's a, <laughs> if you call it a Colorado Sports Gaze and there's two two straight people here that kind of defeats the purpose of it. <laughs> should we take a quick and come back and actually talk some sports yeah we're gonna do that all right we'll come back talk uh some broncos panthers and perhaps a little broncos charges You know, at the the top of the show, uh, you uh, everybody heard about a new sponsor we have here. It's Audible dot com. Uh, Audible dot com is a uh, an audiobook store where they have over a hundred thousand titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP three player. And we have a special offer for you, the listeners of the Clover Sports Guys podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free thirty day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We have some suggestions, gents. Suggestions, right? Ross? Uh, how about this? Play? Suggestions, yeah. Ross? <laughs> <laughs> Life of Pi, perhaps? Is oh that on there? No. <laughs> no, it's not. But here's one. Dream Team. How Michael, Magic, Larry, Charles, and the greatest team of all time changed the game of basketball forever by Jack, Jack McCallum. McCallum. Jackie McCallum, that's a great book. Yes. He's a fantastic author, one of the best NBA writers on the planet, for yes. sure. He wrote a book on uh, the Boston Celtics from the early 90s. He covered uh, seven seconds or less about the Phoenix Suns with Mike D'Antoni. Fantastic author. Those other books might be available as well. Could you know be. what I'm saying? A yeah. lot of books. If Wait, this is, one's available. It, hold on. So is that Jackie or... Is that Jackie McMullen or Jack McCallum? Jack McCallum. Very, very, very. Okay, okay. I'm going to get to that. That's so (laughs) weird because I was going to – the next book I had on here was uh, the worst visual for any title of any book, which is available on audible.com, which you can get for free by using Audible trial (laughs) by using – this is the most important information here. Sorry. And Jeff. Using audibletrial.com slash – C-O-L-O, Sports Guys, you can get this book for free, Shaq, Uncut, My Story. 
And that was the very poor visual. All I could think of is giant, giant anteater. <laughs> but that was book was written by Shaquille O'Neal. And I'm guessing uh, the guy you were talking about, Jackie McMullen. Jackie McMullen. Female reporter. Female from <laughs> I believe she's in her 60s. She's a Boston reporter. And she got close to Shaquille O'Neal when he was playing there in Boston. She loves uncut Shaq. I mean, Shaq uncut. Oh my God. I'm pretty sure she does. She loves it. <laughs> I mean, right? Shaq uncut. Like, am I the only one who went directly there? No. No, clearly so. not. <laughs> not good. I, I just think of the. I always used to just see Shaq's poor wife and just be like, she was like five feet tall. And I was like, how is this even possible? It's like a bear <laughs> making love to a mouse. It's like a <laughs> short legs, yeah. like a long torso or something. Run, run, lady. Another book, another book that's available right now for free. If you guys use our, uh, our uh, link here, don't put me in coach. My incredible NCAA journey from the end of the bench to the end of the bench. Is that the name of the title? Did I cut and paste that right? That could be right. Is that Mark book? Titus. Mark Titus. That is another book that's available. And uh, if you're like me, I like reading, but it's hard to find the time. You guys like listening to podcasts. You like putting earbuds in your ears, driving around a lot, driving around a lot, walk around, use public transport, whatever it is. These are good. Go to the gym, perhaps. That Mark Titus book, pretty good. He writes for Grantland.com and has uh, some good inside takes on Greg Oden, Evan Turner, and a bunch of other cool stuff at Ohio State University. Costa Cufus. Absolutely. Good sports books. Costa Cufus. But you know what? Here's the thing. For me, if you're like me, you're not that big a fan of sports. Because you don't have cable. You just uh, right. read and Wait, stuff. If, yeah, um, someone actually told me a couple days ago you don't have cable. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't brought that up. I don't have cable. Yeah, not at least for like half a show you have. Yeah, it, it's I, you know, I was stunned. Yeah, I canceled cable. Well, here's a story. So uh, <laughs> I canceled cable a couple of years ago. By the way, Ross, I've been getting some requests about NBA League Pass broadband. People saying, how can I get broadband, but I keep getting blacked out in my area? So I'm like, send me an email. Oh, well, tell them to email me. So I've been trying to establish, but. I got that worked out. Yeah. Successfully. I, I, can't, f- I can't say too much. I need to forward you an email. <laughs> I can't say saying. too much. <laughs> Another book. Now, again, I, I am a sucker for the thriller novels, the mystery novels, the the uh, not the, uh, the romance, not novels. the true, not the nonfiction, but the fiction. Lust in the dust. And uh, I'm reading a book here now called uh, The Killing Floor. It's one of the dozen or so books in the Jack Reacher series by Lee Child. These books are badass. My friend Sarah uh, really likes them. Yeah. yeah. Sarah? My friend Sarah likes them. Yeah. I like these books as well. I'm halfway through the first one. There's a big movie coming out with Tom Cruise here called Jack Reacher. Uh, I just watched a preview for that today oh, on Flickster when I spent an hour and a half movie, watching movie preview. When I hear, movie looks bad when, I hear, when I hear Reacher, I just go to a bad place. So you th- you're here. It's not Jack Reacher round. <laughs> it's Jack Reacher. <laughs> This is sounding more and more like the South Stands podcast. <laughs> it is actually. I, I spent a week. I spent a week at the at, at the South Stands podcast. A I week brought us. Well, they not a week. Chain you in the <laughs> yes, they chained me into the uh, concrete bunker. So anyway, <laughs> download your free audio book today. It's free. Go to audibletrial.com dot com slash colo sports guys, or uh, you can go to coloradosportsguys.com and we have a link up there. So uh, do that. Play the music, Nate. What are you reading? You want more music? (laughs) Here we go. 
Timmons, if you're going to be in the driver's seat, you got to stop distracting yourself with whatever NBA updates you're reading. Forwarding you an email. Forwarding you an email about League Pass. I'm going to cut out the. Uh, oh, somebody actually did email you about that? Yeah. Oh. I was lying, man. I don't lie. I'm happy to This help goes them out, out live, yo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's, let's get into sports here. Denver Broncos. Broncos. Okay. All right, Panthers. Now. Battle of the Birds. <laughs> Battle of the Birds. Colquitt. Uh, the bo- Battle of the. Uh, John Fox versus his old team. Yeah. By the way, my parents were at this game. They were in North Carolina for a week. Uh, my buddy's brother, who lives in North Carolina, was there. I heard there was a ton of Broncos fans at this game. I know there was a ton of Broncos fans there because I was watching the game, and there were a ton of Broncos yeah, fans. Yeah, a lot of there. orange shirts. I heard there was a also a lot shirts. of Colts jerseys there, a lot of just Peyton Manning fans in the house. Oh, well, that's lame. Okay. I think, I think that's lame. <laughs> I do not respect guys that follow a player around to different teams. Well, we have a lot of people that follow Melo. They came to the Nuggets because of Melo, and then they left when Melo got traded. These people are – this is the dangerous subset of our population that follows one it's person. because of fantasy sports. And not – yeah. So they're just fan – so these – whatever. We're talking about the Broncos here. Yeah. What, you don't want me? I've to, only got about want... 10 minutes of worthwhile conversation left in me before you guys start talk, droning on about the Nuggets. Oh, come on. Eight games into the season. So were you, were you guys worried about this game at all? I mean, I, I kind of felt like the Broncos were going to go in there and dominate. Okay, first of all, no. I was not worried about this game. I thought the Broncos would go in there and dominate. But <laughs> there were some issues, right? There were some issues. Willis McGahee. Oh, what my boy. What's going on? I, I, I'm trying to remember the guy, and I, I, he played for the Broncos at one point, but he had the fumbles, and he ended up carrying the football kind of up high. Do you know what I mean? Like, Because I understand that they can't cover it up with two hands and still make the same athletic cuts and moves. Are you thinking about Tiki Barber and the Giants? Uh, Tiki Barber was one of those guys, right? Were you thinking about that? Ga- were you thinking about Gaston Green? Wait, why am I being interrogated here? No, <laughs> Tiki Barber did do that. He yes, had a problem with fumbles, so yeah, yeah, he changed his carrying style. He carried it obnoxiously high, and even Brandon Jacobs followed suit with the Giants. So I'm thinking of somebody else on the Broncos, but maybe yes, was it Mike Anderson? He had a case of the fumbles. Mike Anderson did. I think I keep, so. I keep early. thinking you're thinking of Gaston Green. I think keep thinking. You what's thinking in my mind is I'm thinking Tatum of Sean Bell? Moreno. But I'm thinking Tatum Bell? He fumbled all the time. Maybe. I Bob, think that's why he's not were you thinking of, Were you thinking of Bobby, Bobby, <laughs> Hump, <laughs> were you, Bobby were, Humphrey? Were you thinking of? Were you thinking of? <laughs> were you thinking of? Were, were, were you, was it Sammy Winder? Were, were, was it Sammy Winder? Gary? Was it uh, Otis Armstrong? Was it... Uh, was it uh, um, Goose Al- Goslin, Al- Alton Lister, Jim Brackett. <laughs> Wait a minute, Alton Lister was a uh, not, not the same. Somebody for the Broncos. Why do I fumble? feel like it's two against one here in this podcast? <laughs> I don't know because of it. that we were all friends. We are friends. But here's the deal: if you came prepared Will- with your stats, Willis <laughs> McGahee has a problem with the fumbles. Yeah, and I don't understand it. How can that keep happening to him? This is a this is a problem. That plagued him long before he came to the Broncos. Now he's been, I would say, much better than that. But what if it's what if it's just one fumble per game? I, I, Is that okay? 
I don't know. I don't remember him even like being a guy that fumbled or that being associated with him. I guess I don't know. It it does seem Maybe worrisome. Because he lost like, so many years, though. I mean, he, how many years did he lose to injury? I mean, it's like, and he was like a second string running back on the. Uh, yeah, Baltimore just pretty Baltimore, much didn't right? play him. But I mean, you're talking about a team that. In my opinion, I think I feel like the Broncos can win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I haven't too. felt like that about the Broncos since they actually won the Super Bowl. And here's the thing, and that's a very, very good point because I think the Broncos are in a position now to certainly win the division. Uh, probably it's up to them to lose the division, right? I don't yeah. want to say they probably have it locked up. This game upcoming against the Chargers, if they win that, uh, it's it's, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's, locked that's up. It, it's it after that. But that puts them in the playoffs. Now, getting that number two seed is important because they get that first week by, right? And and that's something I think that... The Broncos uh, can still get the one seed. Uh, maybe. I mean, yeah. Well, the, two games the, Texans, back, the Texans would have to lose what? Texans are 8-1. The Broncos are 6-3. and three. They'd have to lose... Yeah, they'd obviously they'd have, have to lose head, three. Head and what about, what about the, the, the Patriots? What is, what's their record? Patriots are six and three, same as the Broncos. So, so the but the yeah, you're right. A first round buy would be huge for this team. Huge, right. Yeah. right? And you're right. They could get the 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 first seed, but to be honest, it's the second seed they're going after right now. Because right. let's say the 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 Texans, the Patriots, and the Broncos all lose one more game, right? Let's say the Texans lose two more games. We're yeah. still going to be battling for that second seed right now, but but whatever. But my point is this: is that those turnovers, that that type of fumble that Willis McGahey seems to be doing in every single game, it's going to be magnified and it's going to have a much more uh, negative impact on the Broncos for that game against a team that's not. The Carolina Panthers. Yeah, this isn't like a... It's a team that's not the Bengals. It's not like you go into a seven-game series where you can afford to lose some games or have some costly mistakes. It's like you got one shot at this, you know? So I don't know the history of John Fox and what he does to guys that fumble, you know? I know with Shanahan, if you fumble, you basically went in the doghouse and, you know, you lost your job, but... But I did notice, uh, you know, I think... I mean, again, I watched this game from the standpoint of a fan i don't look at the statistics afterwards but it looked to me like ronnie hillman was getting a couple extra plays or maybe looks out there a little bit directly after that fumble for sure you know what well, i mean if so, hillman if hillman would learn to hit the hole yeah does he look hesitant to you yeah, he like, would be fine yeah he doesn't cut and go he he like cuts and cuts and then he runs uh, parallel to the line and and if he just went through the hole he would be a far more effective. They even runner. brought in Trendon Holiday to run a couple. Yes, they did. Uh, you know, from the backfield, or maybe it was just one. <laughs> no, he had two in a row. They they two. Oh they yeah, the exact same play. Times. It was like yeah. a screen yep. pass. And I thought about what you said, where you said, "Is he going to be our Darren Sproles?" And when I saw him go out of the backfield, and he was like so like smaller than everybody else, I was like, "Dear Lord, he is." Dude, he is, he is an the absolute Darren game breaker. And let's use yeah. this as an opportunity here to uh, give Nate Timmons some props. Some big drops. Because uh, uh, he said three weeks ago on this podcast, I'll point out that he was absolutely incorrect, Nate Timmons. He said that Trinan Holiday was going to get two runbacks this season. Good job, Nate. And uh, wow, what a mistake that was, because I think it's pretty clear he's going to get more than two. (laughs) Yeah. Because he's already got two. He would do it in the next 
two weeks, you'd already <laughs> well. Let's that face it, it; one of those probably is questionable. Oh, <laughs> Jeff, all right. <laughs> I don't know how they didn't throw a challenge flag on that. I was at the gym. Well, because they, like, but nothing they looked makes at me, it. Nothing yeah. makes me more <laughs> upset and pissed off than when I see something like that happen. What the hell is? Why wouldn't you run through that like Forrest Gump? Why wouldn't you run through that goal line, through the end line, and then do it? Like, why would oh, you, you guys ever talk about the ball? Okay. Yes, yeah. we're talking yeah. about him fumbling the, his own ball, literally throwing yeah. the ball up into the air and giving the Carolina Panthers a touchback. If they had caught that, that would have been the end of Trinidad Holiday's uh, <laughs> career because he already screwed up one when he first started. But they were talking about how did they, how did the Texans cut him? Well, it probably had something to do with that. Well, that that's just a dumb thing to do. It's so stupid. But they were very, very, very fortunate. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. This is, this is kind of a funny stat. Did you know Trendon Holiday had the option coming out of LSU where he could have either gone to the NFL or he could have trained and gone to the Olympics because he's a sprinter and a fine sprinter at that. He had a 100-meter time in college of 10.01, and the 200 meters he ran in 19.99. He has the fastest 100-meter time of any player in college history. Wait, wait. 100-meter at 10.01? Yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, I would have thought. I mean, sub-10 is phenomenal, but yeah, 10.01 thought... in college is pretty damn good. Oh, it is? Yeah. That's not bad. Dude can fly. Yeah. First of all, I think all the best Olympians in the world would have chosen football if they had those other skills involved. Right. Because lowest-paid NFL guy... He's probably pretty close to the, the highest paid Olympic guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. So, anyway, uh, the Denver Broncos here beat Carolina as they should. Uh, Von Miller, again, proving what I said last week, the best player in the NFL, uh, easily the best defender in the NFL, probably the best player. Um. I believe he's, that. He's credited with uh, one sack in that game. They got Cam Newton seven times. That was actually not – that was amazing. That The performance of that, the, the Broncos defense and getting to Cam Newton was amazing. Yeah, and by the way, Von Miller, one sack, but give him credit for a touchdown because oh, yeah. that uh, play where uh, Tony, Carter. Tony Carter got that oh, yeah. pick, that was Von Miller. Abso- I mean, 100%. I well, mean, Von Miller is the only guy I see playing in the NFL now today that can uh, cause as many defensive points as, as he does. He also had four tackles for loss of yardage, which he's adds to his total where I think he's ranked number one in the NFL. Well, you know, he should have had another sack, by the way. But they called that uh, one a, uh, by Newton, uh, that second one, a run. And when he just, oh, like, yeah. trucked yeah. Uh, um, uh, Newton behind the line. Yeah. Notice you've been on that trucked word lately. You like that one. Mother trucker. <laughs> <laughs> So this game was crazy, you know. The only thing I was worried about was uh, obviously when uh, Demarius Thomas, for the second week in a row, had an injury scare. Yeah. Clutched his either knee or ankle, and I literally almost released my bowels in the gym when that happened. You know when I almost – wait, are you watching these games in the gym now? Just this one. What are you, Ben Hockman? (laughs) Yeah, I'm on the treadmill. I I forgot it was an 11 a.m. game, and I was like at the gym, I was like, Shit, the Broncos are on. I got to get home. Jeez, so I had did a quick one. Well, you almost vacated your bowels at the game. Was it this game when uh, Peyton Manning <laughs> did that super awkward slide? 
Was that this game? Yeah, that was this game. Where his knee like, brace yeah, caught? Yeah. Talk about vacating your bowels. Oh, yeah. That, I, I, that, that was like, okay, because a couple of weeks ago when he hit his thumb on the, on the helmet, on that, uh, you know, the overthrow for his, or. At the, against the Saints, yeah. What's that called after you throw the ball? The follow through. Follow through, thank you. There was that, but I was like, oh, it's fine, whatever. But when he did that weird, awkward slide, first thing I thought was, ha, <laughs> Peyton's so dorky. And then I was like, oh, my God, I hope he's not hurt. The next scary sentence would have been, and here comes Brock Osweiler. <laughs> I kind of believe that even if Brock Osweiler came in, like that Peyton Manning could puppet master the whole thing. <laughs> like I, I have that strong feeling about the way Peyton Manning runs this team. He just kind of pushes John Fox back to the bench. Like, <laughs> you have your milk. Here. Sit down there. Drink your milk. <laughs> drink drink your milk. step back. <laughs> well, okay, okay. I wanted to ask you about this. <laughs> Get him a straw. Guys, want, he wants a straw. <laughs> I want to give John Fox a straw. I wanted to ask you guys about this. Why didn't John Fox challenge the spot of that play right before the end of the half? Yeah. Where because he had nothing to lose, he would have won. He would have moved the ball about a yard closer. He didn't do it, and they kicked a field goal. I mean, why didn't they? I don't think they would have lost anything, right? I feel like John Fox is really good question. Really like. He's like super conservative, and I think that he, instead of taking a chance, knowing that he has a team that can probably get it done anyway, he just wants to like play it safe. I, I, I think like. maybe, but I think the true answer was that Peyton Manning probably told him, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah could be. Here's <laughs> your straw. You drink your milk. Go quit." Oh, great. That's probably what it was. He probably wanted to put Coldfoot in there. Oh, (laughs) speaking of special teams, Matt Prater got some uh, time on the field finally. It seems like he hadn't been out there forever. Yeah. Missed that field goal. His first one of the season, right? What the hell? Like, that was weird. Like, if you watch that replay, and that, but that thing, like, it went directly at it and, like, curved. And then the the weird thing was that the guy. Coldfoot's fault. The guy for Carolina did had almost the exact same thing happen to him on his next field goal. Do you guys remember that? Oh yeah, that's right. Like yeah. they both yeah. looked like they were like perfectly well, lined windy. up and going in there, and then they just moved left to right. Yeah. And I wonder, like, if there was a weird swirl in there. There was a wind. You could see the flags flapping. It was a it was a weird thing because you look at Prater's kick and it looked it sliced like a golf mm-hmm. ball, you know, and that and that. And I thought, that's weird. I didn't realize that football could do that. I mean, I guess it can, well, but but that, that was weird. I, and, I, and then when the guy from Carolina did it again, I thought, oh, geez, there's like a weird phenomenon yeah, in this uh, Carolina stadium. Yeah. You know, he's but, only, he only has 13 field goals on the season, 12 or 13. Like that just – 13 just doesn't seem like that many. Well, it's I, not, I, like, I love that because – uh, And I love that because the problem for years with the Broncos was they couldn't get in the freaking end zone. Yeah, too yes. many field goals. Oh, my God. It yeah. was just terrible. Jason Elam would have tons – Tons of field goals. Right. Ah. Now, upcoming here, we got the Chargers at home here. Now, they suck. we've talked about this. Yeah. Did they lose again? Probably. Yeah, they did. You got the yeah, things lost. over there. Yeah, they lost, lost again. To the, uh, Bucks, right? Lost to oh, uh, yeah. against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay came back, right? Thirty-four to twenty-four. Tampa outscored them in the fourth, ten to three. Yeah, right. Okay, so now here's the thing: San Diego is a, I don't know, 
uh, an underachieving team or they're achieving just what they are supposed to be. I don't, I don't know. I can't figure them out. I think no. they've always been a team that's had higher expectations for what they actually have. Like everybody's always like, look how talented they are. I've never thought they've been super talented because the man leading the way, Philip Rivers, is not that talented. He gets by on a little bit of skill, but he's not a supremely talented player in any regard. I completely agree. Yeah. I, I, I've been saying this for years. Philip Rivers should not be considered what he's considered at. I don't know why he is considered an elite quarterback. He has done nothing to prove that. No. Right? He has done nothing. No. Like, yeah. who's no, that guy uh, for Oakland now? Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer, right? Yeah. I mean, Philip Rivers has given been given more credit, 10 times more credit than Carson Palmer when they're almost the exact same guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Philip Rivers isn't coming off a horrific knee injury. Yeah. So, yeah, that's sad. So we got this game coming up now that Doomerville was not – his his MRI came out negative, I heard. Elbow yeah. injury, right? Uh, shoulder no, shoulder injury. Elbow. Shoulder Didn't tear anything. Injury. Yeah, it was but, like a bruise or something. But yeah. still not likely to play Sunday. Yeah. What? But. DJ Williams. Is DJ that Williams what is coming back. DJ Williams is yeah. coming back. What's the one thing that Von Miller hasn't been able to do? Um, it's probably pass coverage a little bit. Right. Pass coverage. What's the one thing DJ, DJ Williams has always been known for? Hopefully pass coverage. His speed <laughs> and his ability to go back and, and cover the pass coverage, Man's right? Man's a tackling machine. Like, if, if I looked at DJ Williams and Von Miller, I'd say, okay, they're both linebackers, but Von Miller is kind of like a linebacker slash defensive end, and DJ Williams is kind of like a linebacker slash safety. Yeah. So we're, we're covered, and then DJ Williams is coming in as a veteran, should be pretty fresh. Yeah. <laughs> fresh legs. <laughs> he should have no nagging injuries. Uh, I think this is almost great. I mean, obviously you want Doomerville in there, but who uh, who was the guy that came in and uh, uh, filled in for Doomerville after he went out? Ayers. Robert Ayers. Robert Ayers. Great game. He had a great, great I mean, game. the first game I've seen from him. He had a him, sack, two tackles for loss. Uh, that's the first game I've seen from Robert Ayers where he lived up to his first-round uh, billing. Yep. He had a few. He had some big plays last year. I think he caused a fumble in one of those miraculous uh, comeback victories under the old quarterback that we had, wherever he was. But it's oh, a yeah. testament to how deep the Broncos really are. Yeah, I mean, you, you still look at it. We still have Keith Brooking, uh, Wesley Woodyard, and Danny Trevathan, who have been filling in uh, for DJ Williams in various aspects, various coverages, whatever. Those guys have done a great job. Trevathan's proved to be probably the best coverage linebacker the Broncos have. Keith Brooking is, I don't know how old he is, 53 years old or something now. Uh, he's a great player. To be fair, he's like 47. but Yeah, still playing great. <laughs> Uh, like that He's defense, the, uh, George Blanda of linebackers. <laughs> yeah, like that defense. Especially love the play that we've still been getting. He's the Kevin Duckworth of linebackers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nate Crackman. Nate Crackman. But I mean, and the, my favorite part about this defense has been the pass coverage out of Chris Harris and Tony Carter. You know, those guys have proved week week by week since uh, Tracy Porter's been out of there that they're the real deal. And man. Broncos' kind of pass coverage has been amazing the last few years. It has years. been amazing, and that's kind of weird, right? You lose a guy like Tracy Porter, and your your pass coverage gets better. Yeah. That's very a strange thing. And it's very happy probably from the Broncos' ownership standpoint because I think Porter can probably be paid considerably more than hey, those two same, youngsters. This ain't the NBA, okay? <laughs> We don't spend all our time talking about what guys are play, paid for. You don't think the Broncos pay attention to their finances? I, I think that uh, – I'm sure they do. 
Well, that's a pretty good segue here as we go into. Uh, There's also some, some very high-priced Broncos players. I didn't realize how much NFL players made on a yearly basis. Pretty yeah. blown away by that. But well, you're right, though. There isn't a lot of talk about that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is, <laughs> so Broncos NBA players focus on what people are paid and the business of things more than they do the actual game. So the Broncos are getting the uh, the scumbag <laughs> Chargers here, right? Yeah. I hope they just blow them out of the water. Uh, we're gonna, I'm sure, talk about that. I want to see like 56 to nothing. By the way, apologies to everyone for our missed goats episode. Amber's on the storm. We were supposed to do that last week, but... Scheduling issues. Evidently, Nate Timmons is like a real reporter now and like covers NBA games every week and goes to the stadium and stuff. And Arena. It's really... <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's really... Nate goes to really Invesco Chippen Field to cover the Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> they wonder why he's there. I wonder why I'm there. He's just so dedicated. (laughs) So that's why that happened. All right. Let's move on here. It's not investment. Is there anything else we want to talk about here? Listen, the Broncos are six and three. They are have a great stretch of games against that uh, you know, coming up here. We got San Diego at home, at Kansas City, at home against Tampa Bay, at Oakland, at Baltimore, at home against Cleveland and Kansas City. Love it. Like you couldn't have picked a better uh, end of a season for the way things have been going. Yeah. Now, the one thing – I got into a conversation today with a buddy of mine, which is so funny to even think about. We were talking about how much we need to get that first seed – or, excuse me, the second seed in that first round buy in the playoffs. Yeah. And my first thought was, no, we don't want that first round buy because that's been a, not the greatest thing to have over the past few years. I think the Giants were a they were four, five seed, five seed maybe. They were five or, seed last year. And then the Packers the year before that were a six seed yeah. to win and and to keep a hot team hot and keep playing. Hey, yeah. here's, here's something I was thinking about too: is you look at like the Falcons who were undefeated until last weekend. You look at the Texans who only have one loss. And I don't know if if perhaps those teams maybe peaked a little bit too early, and now teams are maybe starting to catch up to what they've wanted to do or what they're wanting to do. And the Broncos kind of started out, you know, a little shaky here and there. They've kind of, you know, been establishing who they are. And I think that they're getting to be a closer team where I feel like maybe the Falcons and Texans are starting to maybe get a touch shaky. I don't know. There is that element where you can't learn as much from uh, not, you know, it's hard, very hard to learn from a win. It's very hard to look at what went wrong. But anyway, we're going to cover some of that the end of our show today when we do our recap of weeks nine and weeks 10 for the uh, Nate V Ross head to head gamblers on the storm. Boom. So let's do that. And we'll take a break. Will everybody give a chance to, uh, you know, maybe take, go to, you know, take a potty break or something. You guys looking a little antsy over there after I gave you my uh, pumpkin homebrew pumpkin beer. I'm okay. (laughs) Pumpkin. (laughs) We'll be back talking a little nuggets. huh? What do you say? Denver Nuggets, four and four. Yeah, four and four. Okay. So yeah. I knew they started off zero and three. Then the next thing I saw is that they were like one and four, or something. Two and four. Nope. No. What were they? Three and three. No. Four, four and, and three. three. 
So wait, wait, wait. They they lost three and then won four. They lost three, then won four, four games out of five. And games in a row. Four yeah. games in five nights. All right. So let's talk about this. Yes. What's going on with the Nuggets? I, I did see something kind of amazing the other day, and I probably read it on DenverStiffs.com. Kenneth Fareed had something like 18 rebounds and 18 points. Yeah, it was, it, uh, what was it? Was that the Warriors game? Uh, yeah, I think he had 17 points and 18, 18 rebounds. rebounds yeah. 17 points and eight. Oh, that's where I saw it. I saw it in a poll or something on DenverStiffs.com. I, I whatever it was. What a fantastic game! Yeah, for eighteen points, guy. seventeen rebounds. Eighteen, oh, we, had, we had a reverse Nate. Yeah. Seventeen rebounds for Kenneth Fareed. How great is that? And then I think in that same game was this was against the Warriors. Yeah, there were two or three other Nuggets that had double digit points and double digit rebounds or something. Am I remembering this correctly? Uh, let's see. Gallinari had twenty one points and seven rebounds. Uh, 21 points. I believe Iguodala almost had a triple double. That oh, game. Iguodala almost had a triple double. So he had a double double at least. He had like 19 and 10 or something like that. 19, but, 10, and 8, I think. But if you look at 19 this, points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. I yeah. believe that was it. That's pretty impressive. And, and one of the things that I have been skeptical of regarding this 2012 Nuggets team was this idea that we would have 19, 12, and 8. Nineteen, twelve, and eight. nineteen yeah. points, twelve rebounds, eight assists. Assists. Yeah. This uh, this idea that the Nuggets can have this weird um, equal contribution over the entire team that will result in wins, and I've thought, well, this is a losing strategy. Yeah. But am I wrong? I mean, how's it looking here, guys? Well, um, you want to take this one first, and I I've just been... is speechless. <laughs> I've been most Jeff impressed. Has no opinion on this. <laughs> no opinion. I've been most impressed with Kenneth Reed's play. Um, that Philadelphia game, he had six points and seven rebounds. The Orlando game, he has two points and five rebounds. He only played 17 minutes the first one, 20 minutes the next. And it was kind of like, what's going on here? Is he starting to get into a little bit of a sophomore slump? He's not really looking comfortable in the offense. Um, he's not really even trying to get that engaged in the offense. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Miami game, he breaks out for 22 points, 12 rebounds. He hasn't scored under 14 points during this past one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six games. He's had over 14 points. Uh, he's had over 10 rebounds in uh, five of those last six games. I mean, this guy's just yeah. playing out of his mind. And it's it almost got to the point uh, in the Nuggets loss last night to Phoenix where – if Kenneth Freed wasn't on the court, I thought the Nuggets were for sure going to lose that game. And I was like, they got to get him back on the floor. He's looking like the best player, but he's also looking like the guy that the Nuggets were almost counting on for offensive buckets. Did you, did you get that feeling? I, well, I think I think they were. I I think they were what they were doing was throwing up shots that they wouldn't normally do when he was in there, knowing he would clean up. I really do think that was it. And I think that what that does, when you get too, too dependent on that that kind of thing, it throws off your game, throws off your offense. And it uh, it just, you know, you get dependent on this guy to, like, clean up the garbage. And that's what he does. This is what he does best. You know, and uh, he's not a self-offensive creator for the most part. He just really reacts very well to the, the rebounding and all that stuff. I almost got the sense, too, that maybe some of the guys on the team are willing to jack up shots because – He's going to go get the offensive rebound. Yep. And that's kind of that's not even a bad thing. That's something that the Nuggets haven't really had for a number of years is people that hit the offensive glass the way that he does. Right. So. No, I agree. And it's, it's you know, 
the Warriors game was, I think, the moment where we saw Gallinari break out. Um, he had a horrible first half. Absolutely dreadful first yeah, half. Yeah, 0 for 10. He was. Oh, he went actually 0 for 11 into the second half, and then he went 8 for 12 the rest of the game and hit what proved to be the game winning shot, the game winning three pointer. And uh, it was so crazy, though, because, I mean, you go, you know, you have that many misses in a game, and then it was like, this wasn't like he had a bad game and then came out and had a hot game. He had a bad game within the game and then had a great game within the game. <laughs> it was one of the most bizarre things you've ever <laughs> hey, seen. What was that again? So he had a bad game within a game, and then he had a fantastic game within that same game. Okay, I get it. Other way of saying he had a good, bad first start, and he had a bad start. He had a a bad first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and was phenomenal in fourth quarter, first overtime, and second overtime. But it was like there was absolutely no rhyme or reason for what turned the switch or flipped the switch there. You know. Well, I think I know the moment was where he hit that first three pointer. Uh, He had a three pointer coming, or excuse me, it was a long two point shot coming out of halftime. And I think that's the moment where things started falling for him. And then I, I had a uh, I, Twitter back and forth with Ben Hawkman about this, and he wrote up in the um, in his in his little write up on Gallo the next day. He said, you know, he's not drawing fouls at the same rate he used to, and you know all that stuff. And I said, well, listen, I pointed out to him exactly what you pointed out was that, you know, it almost took him hitting those shots for him to gain his confidence so he could gr- drive the lane more. And I said, you, you, have it, you have it reversed, Ben. I mean, you're thinking he's got to drive the basket to gain confidence. For I think for Gallinari, he's got to hit his outside shot in order for him to gain confidence to drive the lane. As you know, And, you know, i got to give you credit. You're the one, first one to point that out to me um, that night. Well, yeah, it was just kind of bizarre, and it just kind of happened. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was like he, yeah, he did gain confidence from hitting his shots, and then he started just kind of taking over from there. And mm-hmm. then it was a bizarre game, but the Nuggets have have kind of come on lately. They've you know won four in a row, just dropped a horrible game to Phoenix, yeah, which was kind of a, a, a little bit of a buzzkill for Nuggets fans who were feeling pretty good about the team. But you know, I, I don't think it's going to affect them. Just like we saw after that Miami game, I mean, they weren't down from that. They actually used that Miami heartbreaking loss to go on a bit of a rally for whatever reason. Well, that um, that uh, game last night was their fifth game in seven nights. Did you guys even write about this game on uh, the blog? Which one? The Warriors game? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The game last night. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, Jeff Morton. Look, look, look for Jeffrey Morton. I missed it. <laughs> you guys are burying the ones when they lose. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't. Nothing negative. Honestly. Nothing negative on DenverStiffs.com. <laughs> we only want positive news. If that was true, the commenters would be a lot more happy than they are. Yeah, but it, I mean, we did. We did. <laughs> we did talk about you know Gallinari kind of breaking out of his slump or whatever, and then he kind of comes out in that Phoenix game, and he didn't really set the world on fire in that game, did he? I mean, he was. He was uh, okay. he was six to sixteen. Had fifteen points. Uh, and nine rebounds. So not bad. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, this team, like Ross was saying, you know, they are, they're, they're going to have to be a balanced team throughout the year. And yeah, we've hit on it, you know, in our phone conversations, I believe you even wrote about it after last night's game, you know, that the whole Ty Lawson thing is still going to be there, you know, it's, or it's still there where, you know, this guy, he gets his big contract in the off season, 
yet we're still seeing inconsistent play from him. We haven't seen the Ty Lawson from that Lakers series yeah. yet, I don't think. I haven't really. Not, yeah, not yet this year? No. You know, Carl kind of has, has praised him a few times for being you know the playmaker and aggressive, but I haven't seen him really take over. He has such a passive yeah. attitude on the court. It's, 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 the worst part about this, Nate, is that not only did he, he was okay last night, the worst part about it was he was dominated by Goran Dragic, and that was just wait. Yeah. He was not God only dominated. Yeah, he's uh, dominated by Goran Dragic and the love child of Ivan Drago. <laughs> Ivan Drago, and <laughs> that guy for Detroit you were talking about last week. Oh gosh, don't get me started. Don't get you started, <laughs> Jonas Jerebko. <laughs> Jonas Jerebko, yes. The awesome. name is Jonas. Russell now be unfocused. Jonas Jerebko looks like looks like Dolph Lundgren, um, and lucky him. He, um, but but Lawson. Not only was he dominated by Dragic, he was dominated by Sebastian Telfair. <laughs> yeah, which was which was like, I mean, just horrible to watch. And you could see Ty just didn't have the effort, and it just makes you my you know my dad will call me up and say, like, freaking Lawson, he's being passive again. I don't understand what's going on, blah, blah, blah. But really, it's true. Well, and the Nuggets also kind of have a a roster of guys that um, seem to play better after they kind of get a little bit of fire in their belly. You know, you see Costa Kufis plays Mm -hmm, better, and he gets a little upset. Gallinari, I think, plays a little bit better, and he gets a little Mm -hmm. fire or a little competition going on the floor. Same with Lawson. Um, I think you could argue sometimes Kenneth Freed plays better when he feels like he's being wronged or something on the court when he has mm. something go wrong. But is that is that a good thing? No, it's almost like they have to. I don't They're know. not self starters, I guess. <laughs> well, well, the, the the question is is that and, and you know we've talked about this a lot is that the the Nuggets and seem to have a team here and have put together a team that is equal. The the, the strategy is equal contribution from everybody on the team and when one guy doesn't step up the other guys will and it seems to kind of rely on this uh, cumulative effort from a team and that sounds great but on the other hand it's not exactly what you would say it's a winning formula in the NBA because you need one guy who always has a chip on his shoulder whether things are going good for them for him or 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 not and so I'm just curious like you know, uh, what do you guys think about this team? I mean, we, you know, there's been eight games. I've, uh, yeah, and I've kind of heard, is, I've, kind of, I've kind of heard this being a problem with, with young yeah, teams. Nine. Is that like young teams don't have that fire every night where they, you know, they get up for big games. Like I'm sure they'll play well. We saw them, you know, Philadelphia and Orlando. They played like crap, and then they get the champs, Miami, and suddenly they look like they can hang with them. They're going toe to toe with Miami, and it's like if these guys if they have to be motivated by things during games like you know an aggressive play or something if they can't get up to play the the dregs of the league then they're not going to finish high enough in the in the pecking order of the playoffs like you talked about with the Broncos to really probably have an advantage in the postseason which this team absolutely has to have but are the nuggets not part of the dregs of the league and aren't the other teams out there like Phoenix and even Goran Dragic, aren't they looking at the Nuggets as a team that they need to beat? And when they lose to a team like that, aren't the Phoenix fans sitting there saying, well, if we can't beat the Nuggets, how do we expect 
to make the playoffs. I think the Nuggets are still thought about as being a, a playoff team by people in the league. I think the casual fan would look at Denver and say, well, they took the Lakers to seven. It's the same team, but they upgraded with Iguodala. But, yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't know what the Nuggets are yet. Are they a playoff team or are they not? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it's, it's, they're 4-4 four and four now, but the, 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 this is the thing, though. Their opening stretch of games is, has been discussed is, is just brutal. It is brutal. They've they've played eight games. They've played three sets of back to backs. Three sets of back to backs. Five games and seven nights. Five games and seven nights. Every back to back. Six road games. The second game of the back to back on every instance is on the road. And it is it is just I mean it's a stacked deck. And then then they have, let's see they this month they have twelve road games and four home games. In November, yeah. In November. And well, including the thirty first of October, and it is it is just like insane. I mean, it's a, a brutal opening stretch of games, and but this will prove their character. I mean, if anything, will test your metal and prove your or character. Disprove. Or disprove, or disprove, <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, disprove. Okay, so you're right. They have six out of eight the rest of this month on the road. Yeah, that's pretty tough, especially when you look at San Antonio, Memphis. Oh, Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota's good, man. Minnesota's are good they? so far. Yeah, yeah but they, they are playing yep. well. They're five and two. I believe they're yeah, they're winning the they're, uh tops in the division right now. Uh second place. They're second place. virtually tied. I mean, they're five and yeah. two, yeah. Yeah. Good Golden team State they, at lost, home, New Orleans at home. Yeah, I on think, the road at Utah, at Golden State, at LA to finish off the month. It's tough to pick in the Western Conference if you're looking at bad teams. Like I'm just looking at the standings here and I'd say Sacramento's bad. Other than Sacramento, I don't know if there's really a, that bad of teams in the Western Conference where yeah. you can say they should beat that team. That like is true. I mean, 15 well, I thought, teams, it's like well, 14 we thought, of those teams are pretty damn tough. We thought Phoenix would be. I mean, but Phoenix got Drogic and they got Scola and they got, uh, you know, Michael Beasley. Markeith you know. <laughs> Morris looks pretty good for them. Yeah. Yeah, Beasley, other than looking high all the time, looks pretty good. <laughs> Michael, Beasley. Beasley. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I like the, the Western Conference is tough, man. It's, it, it, I think the Western yeah. Conference is more balanced now than it's ever been, at least recently yeah. within the last 10 years. Yeah, no, you're right. You're and right. it's been tough. Like, there's always been at least four or five teams where it's like, okay, they're garbage. And then you've had about 12 teams battling for the playoffs, for yep. the eight playoff seeds. Yep. I think there's, there's uh, I mean, the Eastern Conference is still not as good. And the Western Conference is probably even more balanced, you're right, than they were in they've been in years. Since maybe the two thousand seven season where the Nuggets got squeaked into the playoffs at fifty game winning fifty games. Yeah. But there's One. you've always been able to point to like at least four teams where you're like, Okay, those should be wins. That's true. You know, that's four times four usually, or at least four times three. That's at least 12 or 14 games we can mark down as wins. Yeah, that's right. You can't really do that in the West right now, and that's that's kind of the scary part. You know, with with Denver is it's like wow, you're going to have tough games every night. Oh, absolutely, you know, whether it be on the road or at home. So I mean, you got to come with that effort. And this Nuggets team, anyway, you know, they're not going to beat people like you pointed out in your article last night. They're not going to beat people based off just showing up with yep. talent. You know, and I think that's a problem that George Carl has with convincing a young team that you got to come with the effort every night. Got to have effort every single night. What I do like to see a little bit is that when the Nuggets, okay, they haven't had many home games, right? But I do like to see them, uh, you know, beating a team like Utah at home, right? Yeah. You know, that's good. But, you know, coming up here, 
Miami at home, mm-hmm. right? I think what, from what we saw earlier in the year when they lost to Miami at the very last second with that Ray Allen four-point play, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nuggets now can go and they can play Miami, right? You know, at home, get a win. That stadium's going to be packed, right? That's good. We want to get these guys comfortable at home, right? We want them to win at home more than they lose at home and by a lot. And then maybe some of these other, uh, you know, times where they're going to have to go on the road against the Western Conference team, maybe maybe we could work on that, right? Well, it's going to be, I, mean, I hate to say this, but it's going to be even simpler with the... Um, and they also beat with, Detroit at home, so... Yeah, yeah Detroit's awful. <laughs> I, I, but... Jebko uh, Drobovich? <laughs> Jonas Drip. Jonas Djanokovic? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, they uh, the Heat will be coming off this to be their set. There would be a back-to-back game for them on Thursday. And they'll be playing the Clippers the night before. So they're going to be worn out coming into Denver because they're going from west to east. Yeah, and those guys, I mean, Miami still depends on heavy minutes from Bosch, Wade, and LeBron to get wins. So, I mean, Denver's got to win that game. They have to because that's, that's, that's about as much of a layup as you can get facing the defending champions. And by the way, last night, uh, this is just real NBA nerdy, I was watching the Houston-Miami game. And Miami ran the exact same play to beat Denver as they did. They ran it against Houston, where LeBron drives down the left side of the lane. They had Ray Allen in the corner. Jeremy Lin did not bite on LeBron's uh, shot fake, stayed on Ray Allen. LeBron dished to Ray Allen in the corner. Lin knocked it out of bounds. I was like, if Corey Brewer would have done that, we would have beat the Heat. Corey Brewer. Oh, man. I was like, I rewound it, and I was like showing – you know, I'm like, show, I'm like, look at, watch this play. I'll show you exactly what happened. People are like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> see, see, that's, like, no that's, a, that's like only thing I that I would care about if we were watching the game. But that, that, yeah. yeah. That's one of the things that boggles my mind about, I, I think it's a more recent phenomenon about NBA fans and Nuggets fans is this analysis and this breaking down of a game that seems to be so simple. And, you know, it's a simple game, and I still don't. I don't. I, still, I don't get even as technical as a lot of people. A lot of people are real like break down a lot of advanced stats within games. And it's stuff. like, and oh, like, this guy tends, tends to uh, drive more, you know, with his right hand and and, and into his left, and this guy has a better defending, more steals against the right-handed point guy, and all this stuff. And it's like, and there's websites that break down like you know the zones on the court where the Nuggets are hitting shots, and here and like, you can man, <laughs> there's so much you can do with stats now. It's it blows. This reminds mind. me of that video you posted after uh, after uh, Andre Miller blocked Derek Favors, and the guy in the background is just giggling, saying, <laughs> "Basic game." <laughs> I didn't even hear that part. You, you didn't. Video. Yeah, the no. video you posted. The guy's like the guy's. Obviously, it was filmed. The it was it was He's one of those his TV. filming the television thing. You know, Andre Miller goes up and gets a nice block on Derek Favors. I mean, that was a that was a great block. Derek Favors six ten two sixty. Andre Miller six two. 200 pounds probably yeah. of uh, not a lot of muscle. In not a lot of muscle. I mean, there's no muscle on, on Audrey Miller. He is not a man who's – he's he's cut he's cut out of Play-Doh. And <laughs> he – Which is why I love him so much. <laughs> His head was almost close to the rim though. I mean, he was and up. He got up there and he blocked him. Athleticism for Andre Miller. And, like, I love that guy as a player. Yeah. Just like outsmarting people. Although the the big problem to me too with this Nuggets team has been Andre Iguodala, Ty Lawson, and Andre Miller turning the ball over. We yeah. haven't seen Nuggets turning the ball over in key situations and stuff. What's that about? 
Why? Why? Why is this happening? I because I, I agree. The, well, for the point guard, those are the guys you don't want turning the ball over when you have two point guards and then one guy who many people think is the point forward for this team. Especially in our when you so-called have dribble drive offense. Especially when you have like George Carl worrying about giving the ball to the big guys because he's worried that they might turn it over. Then it's like, well, your trust guys that you are giving the ball to. Are they're the ones turning it over? Saying, "What the hell are you going to do?" Well, what's like, so what's up with that? Well, it's like uh, I call my nickname for Andre Iguodala is the human turnover <laughs> because he's just he has like like four turnovers a game where it's just inexplicable. They aren't like, "Oh, this guy got a steal." Turnover. It's like it's just losing. It's the ball. suddenly out of his hands. Kind of is kind that of the, like the turnover. chemistry that he's trying to? I mean. I mean, you you said earlier, Nate, that this is basically the same team except they added Andre Iguodala to the mix. Yeah. But adding a guy like that changes everything, right? Yeah. So this is not the same team, not at all, in any respect. So is that what it is? Is this just mm, kind of like they no. they're not getting the chemistry together? They're not getting that uh, that shorthand communication? You know, like well, Andre Miller's always had turnover issues because he'll just you know. Lose control of the ball. I mean, he's, that's Andre Miller. He's done I haven't that. seen him really do what he's doing right, like spin moves. Spinning and just the, the spin ball. moves right in the middle of the lane are bizarre. But but Andre well, Lawson's Iguodala, doing that too. And yeah, Iguodala Lawson well, has so. been doing it. He's been trying to split the double teams, and then just like losing the ball spontaneously. But Andre Iguodala will drive the lane, and suddenly he'll have the ball, and then suddenly it won't be around him, and there'll be like no one touching him. He just loses the ball, and and. While his hands are, I mean, Nate and I talked about this a couple nights ago. The ball will be on the on the ground, and his hands will be somewhere up by the rim. And you're wondering how one thing got <laughs> yeah, into two different lose? locations. <laughs> it's like how how is this happening? Yeah. Because no one touched you. I don't know if that's yeah. guys just a, la- a little bit of a lack of concentration or what. I, I don't know. I, don't I have know. no idea. But I, I think that'll get cleaned up as we go on. But it is. It's kind of a huge area of concern when you're yep. you know, dropping tight games and trying to get ahead on the road right now as well. Mm-hmm. It seems to so. me like there's this constant battle on this team for an identity, for the Nuggets. Yeah, um, they definitely don't have one yet. when yep. Carmelo Anthony was here, because he wasn't a strong enough person as a person. You know, Forget his talent, but he wasn't a strong enough person to take over the team and be the leader. It still seems now. It seems like there's this battle between a bunch of very talented young guys, but there's this weird deferral. Like, well, I don't know. Are you the leader? Am I the leader? Are they the leader? And 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 they need an alpha dog. I mean, this they do. They absolutely do. And, and, I, and I feel like we had that conversation dog. exactly. Like Ross, we talked about it with you know who's going to be more key for this team to win a championship if they ever did. Is it going to be Gallo or is it going to be Lawson? You know, we both agreed it was probably going to be Gallinari or should be Gallinari. Well, I think it has to be Gallinari, but yeah. And when you look at like Ty Lawson, you know, when he's on the floor, like he'll defer to Andre Miller if he's out there with Andre Miller. And now it seems like he's deferring to Andre Iguodala because there's that like he seems to have that respect factor where he feels like you know these guys are there and. I should be letting them run things. It's like, no, you need to be doing that. All right, so here's the question then. Is the talent in place on this team? Eight games into the season, do you know? what Eight games, that's about 10%, right, of the regular season. Do you guys know that or do you guys know that the talent on the Nuggets right now is enough 
to make it past the first round of the playoffs? That's my question. Is the talent there? I think that this team is probably good enough to make the playoffs. Well, okay, fine. Every team should be good enough to make the playoffs. I think there's the second. Nuggets have been good enough to make I, the playoffs. I don't I mean, know, man. I don't is know. the talent I, there? I, is the talent? I think if there you is. add up all the talent on this team, regardless of anything else, uh, regardless of personalities and coaching, is the talent there? I think they're a second round team. Okay, so then, fantastic. I think they're a second round team. So all right, so they're a second round team now. What's going to be the difference between this, as we're discussing, this weird deferral between the players and this weird lack of a leader? What's going to be the difference between them uh, getting, like, doing what they're doing now, which is kind of like a chaotic, uh, no leader, no, nobody's rising up and being the alpha dog? What's going to be the difference between that and then being that second-round team? And, and my question is... Is that up to the coach then? Because if you see the talent that's here and accumulatively you add up all the talent on this team and you say this is a second-round team, when you look at the talent, is it not up to the coach then to uh, form this talent into a product on the court that gets you know, 55, 56 wins and, and makes it to the second round? Short answer, yes. So what's up with the coaching? I don't know. I don't. I think. I think with this team, for me, I think this team is trying to figure out an identity, and I'm trying to figure out how good they can be. I have no idea right now. I think that we're going to kind of see like we were just talking about with the Broncos. They kind of had that slow start, trying to figure things out, and now they're getting better as the season's going on. I think these guys could be. I think the Nuggets could be a lot better than they are right now. And a lot but of comparing the, the the Nuggets to the Broncos, fine. That's the, there's nothing wrong with that, but. The Broncos have Peyton Manning. Right. And there's no question. And they have Von Miller. I mean, those are two guys that are the cornerstones of their offense and their defense. And the Nuggets, sure, make all the comparisons you want, but there's nobody like that. No. And and if the coach does anything in, in an NBA or any basketball team ever, if the coach does anything, what they do is they identify who they need to push out into the forefront of that team of that of that uh, to push them in as a leader and they and and, and what i think is that a, a basketball team needs that type of for better or for worse that type of guy who's a you know who who is the coach by based on what the coaches say is the leader of the team and you can say well they need to earn it on the court all you want that you could say, well, you know what? We're going to let them all play for it. Well, guess what? What if it's a five-way tie for one, or, or you know, maybe in the Nuggets' case, a three-way tie with Iguodala, Gallinari, Gallinari, and Ty Lawson? Maybe it's a three-way tie for first. Somebody has to come in and break that tie, and somebody has to say right now that our strategy is going to be to f- funnel the offense through this player to funnel. Our, our strategy around this guy, and he is going to be the emotional leader and, and, the, and the team leader, and, and you need that. And, and I, don't, I don't think the Nuggets are going to do that, though. I don't think that they're going to. I think George Carl's philosophy is to try to win this thing unconventionally and try to do this as a group. Which is a losing philosophy. 
it hasn't been proven yet. You know, yeah, you're right. Well, how many it, years it has George Carl been coaching? Right. And how many years has he had great players under his tutelage? And this is your and, thing I can't. And how many out years is, has he won an NBA Finals? That's how many times has he won a championship? And I can't figure out if, if it's his philosophy to say that right now because he really believes that, or if he's saying that right now, kind of as a protecting his players thing because he doesn't see anybody stepping up. But when I look at the team, I see like. Daniel Gallinari is not afraid to shoot the ball in any situation yeah. or afraid to make you know the right play or try to make the right play. Andre Iguodala, exact same thing. Uh, I, and I think you say that the third guy that I can say that about is probably Kenneth Fareed. Like, he's looking like a guy that's really trying to actually step up and is willing to do any kind of dirty work the team needs as well as he's starting to develop an offensive game where we're seeing yep. jump hooks, we're seeing post moves, we're seeing him shoot jumpers. Yep. I think those are the three guys – for this season that are stepping up, how far can those three guys carry them? I don't know. I don't, well, I don't know if they're as talented as, you know, say Kevin Durant and Russell well, Westbrook uh, and Serge Ibaka. Well, they're right not, now. but, but th- th- this is my, this is my philosophy. Gallinari is their best clutch player. He's proven it a couple, three, four times. He just breaks the right play. Okay. Well, Iguodala has been right there. He He's the right Miami, there hit too. The Miami shot, hit the golden state shot. Yeah, I think actually I would put it to you this way. They're both willing to take the shots. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ty Lawson's willing to take the shots, but he kind of has to be pushed. And yeah, if you draw a play up for Ty, he'll take it. But he's, it, he's done yeah, that exactly. He's shown that. But he won't step outside of but himself that, to do it. You know, yeah, I don't it, know if he's the guy when you come to a huddle if he says, "Give me the ball." See, it's like they're the same football. Okay, I'll, I'll use an analogy. Um, like with one of the reasons Kyle Orton will always be a mediocre quarterback is that Kyle Orton Orton only exists within the context of the offense. If you step outside the offense, Kyle Orton is a mediocre quarterback. I mean, he just can't make plays. He cannot, when the chips are down, he couldn't step outside of himself to do anything. The Nuggets, and that's what separates the Mannings and the Bradys, because if you notice, the Broncos have several plays during the game, that will not go right. But you trust Manning to make the right play because it's not planned. Kyle Orton had to be planned. He had to be meticulously planned. Otherwise, he just sucked. Ty Lawson's kind of that way. I'm not saying he's the Kyle Orton of the Broncos. I'm saying that he really has to function within the form of that, with the way he, he, he goes. And if at the end of the game, George says, you're taking the ball, Ty will take the ball. But Ty's not a broken play guy. You know, if the ball's not in his hands, he's not going to clean up. He's going to usually be out on the perimeter, coasting on the perimeter. Um, Gallinari will clean up. Iguodala will clean up, and they will do that. And maybe the problem is they have two guys who will do it. Well, here's my – okay. So I'm not sure I understand the Orton analogy because I think Orton was not a mediocre quarterback. I think Orton's problem was that he was two or three notches above mediocre. He was a he wasn't a five hundred quarterback. He was a a six hundred quarterback. You know what I mean? Like he won sixty percent of his game. Well, he was the definition and, of a mediocre and, quarterback. No, he, well, he I think he was two or three notches above it. No, I don't. Right, I don't but then he was disagree. five or six notches below a great quarterback, which is why it was very why why he spent so many times in the NFL as a starter because it was very very hard to bench a guy who would who would uh, win more than he lost. Right. Now, well, no, there's a reason he lost his job to Red Grossman. Well, well, sure. But what I'm saying is he was just good enough to not be cut. And even when he lost his 
job to Rex Grossman and then later Tim Tebow. That was after two or three years as being the starter. So, uh, you know, uh, if that's what we're dealing with now here with the with the Nuggets, you know, then I say, well, maybe that's why George Carl is still the coach is because he's a two or three steps above a mediocre coach. And we've talked about how being a coach in the NBA or, or being a coach of basketball at any level is, is really kind of like a, less of about the X's and O's and the whiteboard, and it's more about just kind of managing egos and influencing and, and, and manipulating things. And George Carl has had so many opportunities with so many great teams and and now we're seeing him continue this. I don't know. It's almost like he's immune to criticism for some reason, to the point where he's never on on the on on like the chopping block. Like it's almost like never come up that maybe it's George Carl. Now, like I said, we should read our comment section sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today I had to uh, I had to remind them to stop having these circular comments about George Tarrell taking timeouts because I was like, okay, you've said a hundred, you have, you've had a hundred comments here. Let's move on. We understand each other's positions and that's the thing, but it's okay. Well, okay. We'll put the Orton thing to bed with this. Orton was good and was, was never the reason you won was, was never. Okay. Would never be the reason you won. He'll be, and, but he could have been the reason you lost. Well, he he, ne- he, 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 he didn't didn't was, make mistakes. And he was he, he was like blow games. Well, that's the thing. He just if, was if never everything worked perfectly for Kyle. If everything went fine, fine, they win. But but he Kyle would, Orton is the fir- perfect would, neutral. Yeah, he guy. was he, right then. But it's like his. He's right in the middle. He's like lukewarm water. Is that you know? Is that is he, that George Carl as a coach? <laughs> I don't know if Carl's as no, much as George. I don't know if George is that way. No. I don't think it matters I, as much in the NBA as your coach. He's I'm, not the guy out there actually. It, it, see, it doesn't matter as I'm, much. I'm yeah. sure his winning record in the NBA is just, I don't know. I, I have no idea what it is. I'm guessing it's like about 580. It's a, it's you a know what I mean? I'm guessing, fives, I think. I'm guessing it's win one more than lost, but never. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Kyle Orton as a comparison because. George Carl might be the Kyle Orton of NBA coaches. Could be. Meaning that... I was called him the Marty Schottenheimer. (laughs) 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 Nate disagrees with that comparison. I I don't know what Schott... I mean, yeah, yeah, he might be right in there. Schottenheimer Schottenheimer had a great regular season record. Always had a great regular season. But but so that's the thing. And and again, I'm 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 not trying to say that NBA coaches have so much to do with the with the wins and losses in the games, but you've never seen an NBA coach win without some sort of a, a, a centerpiece, a cornerstone of yeah, a player. And exactly. in basketball, it is so important to uh, – this is why the NBA used to have player coaches. You, you know what I mean? Like that, that's why you need that guy who is your field general – the guy that everybody defers to, yeah. Chauncey Billups was one of them. Absolutely, um, you just need a guy that's like that's hyper competitive, that's over competitive to a fault. I mean, you have you know Greg Popovich, fantastic coach, has Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's a guy who's thirty six years old and lost I think fifteen or twenty pounds in the off season to protect his knees because he wants to compete against guys that are twenty two, twenty three years old. Yeah. You have you know Phil Jackson, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, probably what top two or top three most 
uh, craziest players in the league as far as being competitive. Yeah. I mean, he's competitive to a fault. He wants nothing more than to tie and then break Michael Jordan's yep. championship records. You had Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, uh, the famous story of paying the baggage guy at the airport to have his bags come out first and betting with his teammates a thousand bucks that they would. You know, like <laughs> I've the most competitive that, guy of all time. <laughs> awesome. You, you look at the NBA and your coach can be, you can have Greg Popovich coaching you know, the Hornets, if he doesn't have that player that's willing to basically kill himself on the court, then your team's not going to go anywhere. Well, that's, that's true. And, 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 and Tim Duncan also is a very coachable player. I mean, he wants to be coached, which is very rare in the NBA. Players that accept that kind of style of coaching because not every player is going to accept – Kobe probably, Kobe probably doesn't want to be coached. Yeah, exactly. That's do a very himself, good point. Right? Great, I, I, I disagree. I think Kobe probably definitely wants to be coached, but he wants to be coached by a competent guy yeah. and somebody who, and, and by the way, being coached doesn't mean that you uh, release any power or control over things. I mean, you know, Kobe wants to be coached the same way Jordan wanted to be coached, and that is, yeah, coach me, but make sure when you're coaching me that you're putting the ball in my hands and you're funneling the offense through me. Right. And if we do that, then we'll all be fine. Well, that's and there's nobody on the Nuggets here that that uh, apparently George Carl feels comfortable enough to do that with. And and I, I'm not going to blame George Carl for the lack of a championship when Carmelo Anthony was here because I again I don't think Carmelo Anthony was that type of guy. But then no. on the other, I mean. You know, I don't think Carmelo Anthony could win a championship under Phil Jackson, but but the, at some point, George Carl has to say, "Iguodala is our guy." Well, the same and time. I want and I want us to funnel our our energy and our offensive strategy through him, yeah. or or Danilo uh, or, or Gallinari. I mean, Danilo Gallinari or, or somebody. So that's kind of a thing, too, that I've heard with some NBA talk is like, you know, they want like the big time coaches like Popovich or like Phil Jackson with Kobe is you get Kobe to work within the context of the system until like the fourth quarter. And then you say, OK, Kobe, now go do what you need to do to win the game. And I kind of feel like with George Carl that he kind of, you know, there's this whole thing of you want to treat your superstar players. You want to give them the freedom to be themselves when the time is right. And I think with Carl and the Nuggets, he kind of gives a team the freedom to go do what they need to do all the time. And it's like he kind of treats every player on his team kind of like a superstar where he's letting them do what they need to do. And it's like, I don't know if that's working necessarily or if that's – it's kind of a cool theory, I think, but it's also kind of – and I don't even know if that's his theory. That's just my theory on it is he gives everybody the freedom to do what they need to do. And it's like, well, that kind of leaves you a little bit rudderless. Right? Well, every every, every yeah. I think every player on this team, primary player on this team is coach quote-unquote coachable. I mean, obviously, that's not the issue. But the my thing is, like, you have two players, and maybe to boil it down to the nub, you got two players who can and will step up and take the shot. They may not always make it, but you have players who will do it, and that's Gallinari and, and Iguodala. And as long as you got two, it's hard to – I mean, it's just like you need to designate one is essentially what you're saying. Of, the, saying, of like, those two, you need like, to say which – it's either Iguodala or Gallinari, and they'll fall into line. And it, it, they, everyone needs a leader, and that's what will happen. You're not going to bruise any egos on this team. And they have really tried to force Ty Lawson into this. They have really tried to force Ty 
into a leadership role. They, and that's the wrong yeah, guy to force into. Yeah, me and Ross talked about that. Like you can't your point guard's never really gonna yeah. completely lead you to a title. You gotta force you know? Gallinari into this position. I mean you And have he's to, willing to do it. And, and he's by got the way, the you have to force well. him and you have to force everybody else into it. And here's the real question. Since the last time we recorded, the Colorado uh, voters have elected, excuse me, have passed Amendment 64. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> what does this say about the prospects of Denver Nuggets and bringing in players? Now, I know for I- a fact that you could, I mean, not for a fact, but it seems to me, you know, you take in the NBA, I don't know how many players there are, 32 teams times 15, you know, what was that, around 400? Yeah, around 400. How many of those guys like to smoke some herb? By Carl Malone's estimation, 15 <laughs> for, years ago, it was 65% of the league. Okay, and Carl Malone, by the way, probably has never touched weed. Probably never. Yeah. <laughs> but his estimation, it was 65%, so if that guy who's pretty square <laughs> knew about 65%. And that was, was how long around, ago? 15, uh, years, 15, 15 years ago, years probably. Ago, so yeah. let's let's uh, let's, say, let's say it's eighty-five. Let's 80. go safe and say ninety-five percent. <laughs> let's err on the safe side. All right, Carmelo Anthony is probably kicking himself right now. He wanted to get out of Denver so bad. We know he liked to smoke the grass. You know that's the thing. That okay, well, here, here's a here's the thing. You know, Melo's mind as far as the Nuggets go didn't get really changed until about the two thousand nine two thousand ten season. And how disastrous it was, and and there was after the two thousand, and this is this is a, a fact. He said it in the paper. They they talked to Mello after the, when during the finals. It was the two thousand nine finals versus the Lakers and the then Orlando Magic. And a reporter came up to him and said, talk, was talking about Denver, and, and Mello said, "I'd like to stay in Denver. I want to be extended, and all this stuff." Now, of course, that was too early to be for him to be extended at that time, but you could see the willingness right there. Well, what you know, there was a lot of events that happened in the meantime between when its contract is up and that uh, the the decision, the LeBron's decision played a big part in his mental wellness. Yeah, and two, his wife, Lala, Lala, Lala? and, and or Lala, 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 Lala Vasquez, Layla, <laughs> and Layla. She's, she's a cutie. I those two say. things, if those two things didn't happen, Mello would still be a Nugget. What? If he, I if, thought you were going to say something along the lines of if he got busted with the weed at the airport. No, no, the and, weed, uh, the weed, the Denver people would, would only so help. The weed would only help because that would that was it. But if those two things didn't happen, Mellow would be here smoking weed. Oh, all right. Enough with the mellow talk. But I appreciate your input, Jeff. But we got to get out of here. Thank you, Russ. So here's the deal. <laughs> Last week, uh, apologies, we get we didn't get the goats episode in the uh, gamblers on the storm, but yeah. we're going to go ahead and uh, reset that on Thursday. We're going to do the recap of the week nine and week ten. We still stuff. made our picks. We just didn't get them out there. That's right. So we made our picks. Take our word for it. But we got it. We got to finish this episode. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's get out of here now, Jeff Morton. Thank you for uh, coming down again. Okay. Jeff Morton, DenverStiffs.com. Check him out. Yeah. Thank Nate, you, guys. Nate Timmons. Nate Timmons from DenverStiffs.com. DenverStiffs.com. <laughs> from Parker, boys. <laughs> Straight out of Parker. P-Town.
Ross Martin of Cardinal Sports Guys. You know what we haven't done for a while, Nate? We haven't dedicated an episode to anybody. Ooh. I feel like we've been skipping that. How about the Steel Workers of America? How about DJ Williams? DJ. DJ Williams. Let's dedicate this episode to DJ Williams coming back. DJ. This weekend. What do you think? I'm yeah, in, man. I'm good. excited to see him back. DJ Williams, the only player that John Madden said could have jumped from high school to the NFL. Little man, oh, man. Fact. Keep reaching for those stars, DJ. <laughs> John Madden, by, <laughs> what, by that he meant the only guy in the NFL who would always remain as smart as a 17-year-old. <laughs> oh, boo. Poor form, Ross. I love DJ. Hey, man. I'm just saying, you know, quit driving drunk, DJ uh, Williams. Very true. Very true. You know, most yeah. of us only do it once. Right? Yeah. So, right. so no. listen. Right. Click it or tick it, DJ. Click <laughs> it or t- well, yeah. All right. Good times. Hey, yeah. we're going to have some nuggets talk next Good times. Week. Great Clearly oldies. there was way too much to even fit in here. But we had to get out of here quick. I didn't realize how long we had been talking. Yeah. Forever. Was, no th- yeah. No thanks verbose. to yes. the loquaciousness of uh, Jeff Morton over here. Pedantic. Yes. <laughs> Pedantic. <laughs> the man of few words. Loquacious and verbose. <laughs> Jeff Morton. Rather right. professorial and... <laughs> I don't know what any of those words mean, but uh, he's a man of few words. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. Let's get out of here. All right, man, let's That's roll. It. See you guys Thursday. 